World's Finest Podcast, Episode 12. I'm your co-host, James Doe, and with me as always is Michael Sims. Hello. Hello, hello. Are all things good on your end? Uh, for the most part. I got still having withdrawal from not being at AWA. It's so <laughs> sad. It was so fun. It was so much fun. Everything went good there? Yeah, for the most part. I got, you know, slaughtered in the video game tournament, but what are you going to do? <laughs> what, what were you guys playing? I think at the forum. Pokemon. Pokemon Coliseum. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Do, yeah. do you bring your own Pokemon, or do they supply them, or what yeah. happens? Yeah, you have to bring your own with your DS, and you plug them in, and you duke it out. Won the first round, and then just got trashed in the second. What happened? I mean, I've never done a tournament like that, so I don't know how it works. Well, but, well you have to do one-on-one. Uh-huh. You basically take three Pokemon on three Pokemon. It's completely random. You pick you pick your three, you pick their three. You don't know which three each other is picking, and you just have at it. Are the levels uh, regulated? They, they even it out to 50. Okay, that's good, because, you know, you don't want to get someone who's got, like, a level 90-whatever, and you <laughs> walk in with a level, like, 52-something or other, you know? Yeah. That'd be, like, so unfair, because one hit and you're dead, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... What I've played uh, that most recent Pokemon game, the DS ones. I think it was Diamond or... One, Pearl, Diamond yeah. or Pearl. I think Pearl. I had Diamond. And I would just level up one Pokemon. That's all I had to do. I would level one guy up, get him as high as I could, and then I would just trash the gym leaders. Yeah. Just absolutely trash them. I'd get the new badge, which then allowed me to get my Pokemon even higher, because obviously if you don't have those badges, you can't control them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then I would just go to the next boss, at, even, at an even higher level, and trash him, and so on and so forth. So it's good to see that when it comes to one-on-one tournaments, there is some sort of regulation. Yeah, that was the exact opposite. I have, like, all of mine pretty even. Oh, really? <laughs> They're all at, like, level 90 or 100, but... See, I can't be bothered to do that. What I do is, like I said, I take my lead one, and that's normally the one I start with. And then, you know, there's usually a stone or some sort of ribbon that shares experience. And I'll give that to one Pokemon that can serve as a backup in case my lead Pokemon gets knocked out. Because let's say my lead Pokemon's a fire Pokemon, he goes up against water, oh shit, I'm done for, you know? So you always got to have a backup, and I, I create that backup by using some sort of share experience type thing. Yep. You know, and then I, I kind of cheat my way around it too in that the person I give the ribbon to or the person, the Pokemon I give it to is usually one that I got from a trade. So they're already getting boosted experience yeah. <laughs> and then they're getting more on top of the, the shared experience. So it boosts them up real quick. <laughs> yep. But, uh, otherwise I had, pre- I had pretty much, you know, a really good time. A lot better than last year. Last year I didn't really do anything. That's why I didn't, I couldn't do a review mm-hmm. for the site. But uh, I am going to do one this year. I just I just have to sit down and do it. Well, sit down and do it, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on the tirades, you know. Oh, is that what's, what's your next one? Do you want to say or do you want to keep it a secret? Well, I mean, not many people probably know it, but it's I'm I'm rev- reviewing the ballerina Toshin and OVA. I, I think I talked to you about it, but I don't know if I said it on air or anything. But it was you know it's another one of those based off of a video game movies, and it was awful. So. 
it's just sad that that's just how the, how it normally goes with video game translations. Now, speaking about your review series, Tranquil Tirades, which can be found at Earth2.net, that's Earth-2.net, every other yes, Thursday. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, over at the Earth2.net forums, you hinted that you might cover Superman Doomsday as part of your Tranquil Tirade series? Yes, and, I did. And for, for people who don't know what James's review series is, is he takes movies that are pretty damn bad. And or or you know I'll probably do video games and uh, other stuff too. It's oh. not gonna it's not gonna be just movies. It's gonna be anything oh, anything geek gonna, related. Cool. I didn't know you were gonna expand out like that because uh, you know this started out as a movie thing even mm-hmm. before you had a title attached to it. And you were just doing like Blood Rain and Mortal yeah. Kombat. Was it Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Is that the one you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you were doing those, you know, it, I just because you were doing those, I just assumed it was going to continue on the movie. So that's cool that you're going to get to these other things. So yeah, he takes these these movies and as he just said, games and whatever that are subpar and just rips into them hardcore. What was your most recent one? The Sonic OVA, right? Yeah. Yeah. I recommend you guys go to Earth Two Net again. Earth Dash Number Two Net. Go over to the left hand side of the page. Look for the thing that says reviews, and then just uh, search for James's Sonic review because. What did you do? You did like a ten point bullet. Ten, question, 10 questions. Ten questions. It was, sucked, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was impossible to review because the whole damn thing is just. There's no structure to it whatsoever. <laughs> it was impossible to review like I normally do things. Mm-hmm. So I had to just be like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna do something really goofy and off the wall, and just I asked. I just went ten questions and answered my own questions. <laughs> so, and it really pained me because I love Sonic the Hedgehog so much, and I don't like to rip things Sonic the Hedgehog, but it, I had to do it because it was so damn bad. So then that brings us back to how this all started. Superman Doomsday, really? Yeah, I. It was. It was not that good. Now I'm not. I'm not. It's not going to be. I'm. It's probably not going to be low, as rated as low as I've done some of these other things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad, but it was just a really. It was just a disappointment. All, you know, over and all, it was just com- a complete disappointment. Mm. See, I yeah. haven't seen it yet. I don't have the fifteen or sixteen bucks to buy the DVD. Mm-hmm. I'm not on Netflix, so I can't get it that way. And the only way I could get it is, and I've mentioned this on Earth Student at the show. Across the street, there's a grocery store, and right out in front, there's something called the Red Box, and you can rent brand new DVDs for only a buck. But they don't have the Superman Doomsday DVD yet. Normally, they have new releases right away, but for whatever reason, they don't have that one yet. So, for a buck, I'll rent that, you know? Yeah. But I just haven't had the, the chance to get to see it yet. So, when I, when I saw you saying that you were going to be, you know, you know, reviewing that as part of your series, I was like, oh my god. I mean, I heard people saying some negative things, but I never thought it would make it into your review series. Well, <laughs> well and there's not like a set grade that it has to fall below for it to be in there. Uh, it, it's not. I'm not going to rate it like a 12 or anything like yeah. that, but it's just, I think the best word I can use to, to sum it up at this point without having watched it a second time is lazy. Mm. It, it, it just seemed really lazy to me. The writing, uh, every, just basically the writing was really lazy. I've heard the best part of that movie is the trailer for DC The New Frontier. I uh, I would agree. Oh man, that's harsh. And the best thing about a DVD is a trailer. Oh, because that does look good. The New Frontier. Oh yeah, it does. I'm I'm really excited about that. I mean, that's based on Darwin Cook's. Uh, I believe it was a six issue miniseries, 
um, might have been eight, but I'm pretty sure it was six. And the the, the animation looks just like his his artistic style. It's 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 awesome how they captured that. Um, and they've got a great voice cast going too. Yeah, yeah. So when does that come out? Do you know? I think January. Is it January? Okay, that's cool. And then I know Teen, the Teen Titans one, I think, is scheduled for the middle of next year, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Yeah, I want to say it's April for the uh, Jewish contract. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to say about Mayish, so, okay, cool. Um, now, here's the question. Are we going to be covering Superman Doomsday? Because it's not in continuity. No, it's not. At not. all. It's not like Teen Titans, which is questionable. You know, because there's always that, you know, thing you and I talk about all the time. Are we doing Teen Titans? Are we not? You know, we're back and forth on it. Mm -hmm. But there are ways to connect it to continuity. There clearly are ways to do that. But with this, even though I haven't seen it, from everything I've heard, there's no way this is in continuity. The animation may be similar, but that's, like, where it ends, I've heard. I I don't even think it's all that similar. Oh, really? The animation to me seemed completely different. Okay, I heard it was... Lois Lane looks nothing like she did in in the entire DCAU. Mm -hmm. Superman has these gigantic lines going down his face for some reason. Yeah, I've seen that. That, In commercials, that bugs the hell out of me. It makes him look, like, ten years older. I would say 20. (laughs) I was being nice. (laughs) Yeah, Luthor Luthor looks really young for some reason. Yeah, he looked... From what I saw, he looked a little skinnier. Like, not yeah, as beefy he, as the one in... Oh, God, no. He looked like me. Okay. <laughs> just bald. Just bald. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I weigh 127 pounds, so that gives you a kind of an idea of what I'm talking about there. Oh, James, you just made me feel bad. I weigh more than double you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do my friends. So, oh, okay. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this morning I was like... I Literally, I'm not even joking. I was like... Because I'm trying to get on a diet. I'm trying to... Because uh, about two years ago, I lost... Um, let's see, 40, almost 50 pounds on Weight Watchers. And then I became extremely depressed, and I put it all back on. And I, this this past weekend, I said, you know what, I'm going to get back on track. And I was, and I literally thought to myself, I need James's fucking metabolism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you got in your genes, man, but I need it. <laughs> I don't know. You got to bottle I, that shit up and sell it. <laughs> yeah. I've said that numerous times. I just sell my DNA to science. Yeah. <laughs> Make all kinds of money. So you don't think we're going to cover Superman Doomsday then? I, I At this point, I would say no, but, you know, it's so far down the road because this is, you know, it's just it just now came out, so it's going to be after a- absolutely everything yeah, we that, do. Yeah, that would be one of the last things we do. Yeah. Because, I mean, we after this, we've got Superman the Animated Series, then we go to... The back to Batman in the Gotham Knights cartoon, mm-hmm. and then we move to what Batman Beyond or Static, whichever. Oh, came that's first. right. Yeah, it goes. I think Static, then Batman Beyond, then the Zeta Project. I, the order, you know, that might be a little mixed up there. Then the mm-hmm. Justice League, then the Teen Titans, then probably. just no, right, probably. Or, we'll most likely yeah, do it, but we'll mm-hmm. see. And then to Justice League Unlimited, and then that's where that would pretty much end. But yeah, so if we're gonna do any of these. Uh, these new DC animated features, they're going to fall, you know, after everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a couple it's so, of years it's, down the road. Yeah, it's so far down the road, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at this point, I would lean towards no, just because it's so far off the, mm-hmm. the, the DCAU that pretty much ended in 2006. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see them go back to the DCAU uh, with a Wonder Woman cartoon, a Flash cartoon... Uh, just, just something. Maybe even do something like uh, the, a question. I would love an X Files like question and Huntress cartoon. 
That would be cool. Tell me that would just not fucking rule. Oh my god, I'm getting <laughs> getting hot for it right now. <laughs> I mean, the question episodes were all you know, like question authority. Mm-hmm. That was that was like that's the one where it's him and the huntress, right? Well, question authority is where he goes. He goes right to LexCorp and uh, confronts Luthor, and then basically gets almost killed. Okay, then I'm thinking that is a good episode, but I'm thinking of the one that's a little funnier. Is is it Double Date then? Yeah, Double Date's the one that's kind of you know off the wall. Okay, that's the one where he's going. He's got her on the communicator, and he's going through like some canisters, and he's like, ah. 32 flavors, or 33 flavors, or whatever. That's that one, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's... I mean, because you can do that with, the, with with that character. You can have him looking up weird little conspiracies, like how many flavors Baskin-Robbins has, and then you can have him doing big government-type stuff like he was doing in the other episodes. I mean, you, you could be all over the place, and it would fit because the character's just so crazy, you don't know if he's going to be serious or just funny in an episode. It would That would be so damn good. I know. It'd be a great dynamic, too, if you threw Huntress in there. Yeah, because then at any point, if you wanted, you could bring Batman in, because she's not necessarily in that continuity, but at least in comic continuity, she's tied to the Bat family. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could bring other Justice Leaguers in. I really wish they'd go could, back to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you could bring Green Arrow and Black Canary in there, because they were so involved with Question and Huntress mm-hmm. there for a while. Yeah, I mean, in, in truth, I'd love... I don't know if they can... I don't know why they wouldn't be able to, but maybe they can't. I'd love to see them go back and do a Justice Society cartoon, a very retro cartoon. Remember the, uh, shoot, what was the two-part Justice League episode where they go back in time and they meet the Justice Guild? That was, uh, God. I can't remember the name. Not not heroes, but, uh. Shoot. Okay, well. I'm going to look it up. We keep talking, I'll look it up. Okay, there's someone screaming at their iPod right now. But, yeah. like, that was pretty much the Justice Society of America, that team right there. Legends. Legends, that's it, right. You were close when you said heroes. So I'd like to see them go back and do a World, World War II-era Justice Society cartoon that f- still fits in continuity. And they could make it fit by having, um, I don't know, I guess that wouldn't, well... I don't know, they can maybe have, like, the Grey Ghost on in the background in some episodes or something, you know? I don't fucking know. Or, and I've said it before, let them do a Grey Ghost cartoon. Get Adam West and do a goddamn Grey Ghost cartoon. It's technically not in continuity, but at the same time it is. You know, because if if you've seen that episode of Batman... It's a universe in a universe. Right, if you've seen that episode of Batman, then you know we're watching a TV show within a TV show. But you can, st- but it's still part of continuity, as you said, a universe in a universe. There's so much they could st- they could do, but you know, I'm I'm sure Bruce Tim wants to move on, and so does his crew. But you know, us fans, shame, we don't want it to end ever. So I know we will bring back Justice League. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, do you want to move on to some emails? Oh, why not? Okay, we got a couple here today. And we are going to start with, as always, our friend Nicholas. (laughs) He says, I just remember this. In Shadow of the Bat, when the giant coin falls on Two-Face, there's a three-second moment where he splats like a Looney Tunes character. It's bad animation, but it's a funny bit. And I actually did notice this, and I meant to bring this up during our recording, Mm -hmm. but it just sort of slipped my mind. Did you happen to notice that, James? I did, too. Yeah. I mean, his head, it's really like a, like a, remember remember the He-Man action figures? How they yeah. had those real soft, rubbery heads, and you could yeah. squeeze them. <laughs> that is exactly what happens to Two Face's head. He's right; it's very Looney Tunes. Well, it's just like uh, 
the Man-Bat-Woman episode, uh, where Batman's head goes into the bridge and just kind of flattens out. Oh, yeah, he just becomes one with the concrete? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget that. <laughs> no. And then Nick continues... He says, what do you guys, what do you and James think of the realistic approach to the Joker uh, in terms of wearing makeup as opposed to his skin being white? And, of course, he's talking about the upcoming movie. So what, what do you feel about this, James? How, you know, Joker know. wearing makeup or, or not? I, I really wish they would just be bleached. Mm-hmm. I, pref- I, I, I prefer it to be, you know, part of... You know, that's the physical scarring, too, that, com- that contrasts to the mental scarring. Mm. So it, it's, 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 it seems like you take away a huge part of the, of the physical Joker by, by saying, oh, well, it's just makeup. So, but that's just my two cents. Now, I haven't seen any images that imply that the white of his face is makeup. See, I don't know much about... I haven't been able to keep up with much of the uh, Dark Knight movie, uh, uh, you know, the photos and, and the trailers and stuff. I never saw the trailer that showed in the theaters. Oh, really? So, yeah, I, oh, it's, I, I, I haven't been able to see much. I think at the, I think there's a link for it, link to it in the Earth2.net forums. Oh, really? I thought that was taken down or something. No, it, it should still be there. I never got contacted okay. by Warner Brothers to take it down, so... No, I, mean, I mean, it's like just disappeared or something. No, I don't go know. check and see if the link's there. If it's not there, just... Shoot me an email or something, and I think I still have it somewhere. Um, But getting back to what I was saying, I've seen pictures where it looks like the makeup around his eyes and his lips is makeup. But I don't think the white is makeup. I haven't seen any images that made it look like the white was coming off, like we could see, you know, Caucasian skin underneath. So I'm thinking he gets bleached and adds the lipstick and the black around the eyes to make himself look like a clown because he's just gone batshit insane. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he's the chemicals still happen, his skin goes white, and he, he adds it. I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, and it is does wind up being all makeup, you know, right now I don't mind it. Ask me tomorrow, and that might change, you know, until I can get a 100% confirmation that it's makeup, I really can't form a full-on opinion, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I'd mind too much, you know, because they're giving him some scarring. If you look at his face, it looks like he's been shot through the mouth, kind of Edward Norton oh, yeah. style at, at the end of Fight Club, you know? When you know how he gets shot in the mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it looks like that's happened to him, or he's, or, his li- or he's been slit there or something. So he's got some sort of scarring going on, and that, that's all that, that really matters. But we'll see what they do. We'll see. Once there's confirmation, I'll give... Uh, then I'll, then I'll give an opinion, and then, of course, I'll give an, a, a new one after the, we've actually seen the movie and can see it implemented, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, the last thing Nick says here is, uh, on the last show, you, referring to, to me, uh, he says, I called the second Batman series Gotham Knights, and, of course, I did this a few minutes ago, to which I'm certain that it's called uh, TNBA, the new Batman Adventures. We're both right. Um, the official name of the show is the new Batman Adventures, mm-hmm. But in some markets, it was called Gotham Knights. And it was... Did they include the Batman Superman adventures in that, too? Or is that still... That technically count as the Superman animated series? That I don't know. I, I, I know, because they would they, they had that Batman Superman hour. Yeah. Yeah, see, in, in the Chicagoland area, that's what it was called. The Batman Superman hour. 
I don't remember being called the bat. What did you call it? The bat. Here, here it was called the bat. The new Batman Superman Adventures. I think here it was called the Batman Superman Hour. So, see, I mean, you get your local affiliates because these, these shows are syndicated, you know, and mm-hmm. the the name can change. So, y- yes, the official name is the new Batman Adventures, but Gotham Knights is you know an equally proper name, and I I say it because one, I think it sounds cooler. I mean, yeah, I like Gotham Knights. That's what I'm going to call it. Right. And also, it's shorter. I'm sorry. The new Batman Adventures is just a mouthful. And it also <laughs> makes it sound like a kid's program. And yeah, it does sound kind of corny. Right. And these cartoons aren't that. They're not. You say Gotham Knights, that implies, you know, some maturity. So I'm going to continue to call it that. But we will all acknowledge that the true official name is the new Batman Adventures. So... But yeah, Gotham, well, even on... there's nothing wrong with Gotham Knights. That I know, I, I know there's some promo material. I, I got to see if I can dig it up. On that, on the back of the, uh, uh, excuse me, the season four uh-huh. uh, of Bat, of the Batman DVD sets that came out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. it it says Gotham Knights on the back in the description. Does it? it? Says like it, yeah, it says I don't know, I don't know the exact wording. You know, I'll never remember it unless I run in there and go read it. But it says that it was commonly referred to as Gotham Knights. Mm. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pause this, and th- there'll be a weird thing where it's like, I'm getting the DVD cases, and then I'm right back. But pardon us, guys. I have to have this settled right now. Hang on. <laughs> okay, so I'm back here, and I got the case in my hand. Now, you said it's for the fourth season, right? Yeah, naturally yeah, the, it would be. the orangish kind of brown case with Mr. Freeze on the spine? Uh, yeah, okay. It says, new partners, new crimes, same wackos. In the hit show that continues the Batman storyline from the Emmy-winning Batman the Animated Series, two years have passed and Batman still protects the streets of Gotham City from the demented criminals that inhabits its dark alleys. But inconceivable differences with Dick Grayson, uh, or, or excuse me, but irreconcilable differences with Dick Grayson lead to the collapse of the Batman-Robin crime-fighting duo and to the birth of Gotham's new hero, Nightwing. Batgirl fights at Batman's side, and a new Robin takes flight after Batman's chance encounter with young Tim Drake. Here we go. In these 24 thrilling episodes, oh, wait, there we go, the Gotham Knight faces the worst enemies, the Joker, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, and many more, in a comprehensive four-disc set that completes the Batman animated saga. So it doesn't say the show is Gotham Knights, it just refers to Batman as the Gotham Knight. Um, I'm trying to look down at the little box that has a supplemental material. That's weird. I could have sworn that it said something to the effect of commonly referred to as Gotham Knights. Uh, I don't know. In the little box, in the extras box, Hmm. it says, Interactive Arkham Asylum, examining the top secret case files of the Dark Knight's many foes. Uh, There's commentary on three adventures, and then it goes into the languages and whatnot. Oh, oh, oh. Hang on. There you go, James. You're right. You're right. The new Batman Adventures episodes were part of the new Batman Superman Adventure programming block and are commonly referred to as the Batman Gotham Knights episodes. So there you go. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) So, yeah. So getting back, I mean, that that makes my original original point, it, it reaffirms that, where I said both Nick and I are correct. It was called the new Batman Adventures. It was called Gotham Knights, and of course, James, then there was the whole, the new Batman Superman adventure. So, actually, all three of us are right. <laughs> so, and that's what makes it so confusing, because then, when you, they get to the DVDs, they consider this as Batman the Animated Series Volume 4. But Batman the Animated Series had been canceled for like three years, by, or, or five years by the time this came out. 
So this this show's technically got like four names, and it's just it's really crazy. So that's why there's the confusion. So yes, I am going to continue to call this Gotham Knights. Damn it! <laughs> As will I. <laughs> okay, let's see. We are going to move on to an email from a listener called Mindy. This one's a little longer, so bear with me here. She says, hello, this is the first podcast I have ever listened to. The first podcast she has ever listened to. Hmm. Like, oh my freaking God. Like our show, that's like so damn cool. And I would just (laughs) like to say that you guys are great. I've never looked at these cartoons analytically before, and you've opened my eyes to the wonderment that I glossed over as just being entertainment. Kudos. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. Uh, let's see. It's one of these glossed-over parts that I decided to write. Uh, the spout or write about the sp- the spousal abuse commentary of Harley and the Joker. One of the things you mentioned in your commentary of Harley and Ivy is how good it was to deal with the issues of domestic abuse and how sad it was that the issue was dealt with comically. Thinking about it, I can agree with you there. But then you said this this was also true of Mad Love. The rest of the episode, I was thinking, how does this guy think Mad Love is comical? Is there any commentary, uh, if there's any commentary on how horrible the cycle of spousal abuse is, it's mad love. I personally think it's one of the most horrific of the Batman cartoons, specifically for how brutally Joker abuses Harley. I can only think of two reasons that you would consider this episode comical. One, Harley completely forgives him, despite how Joker nearly paralyzed and or killed her. Unfortunately, spousal abuse is a cycle. It's what batter women do. They live in denial, and they can either handle it... uh, Oh, excuse me. They live in denial that they can either handle it, deserve it, or in Harley's case... Think they, think they, they, meaning the the man, won't do it again when they say they're sorry. Because of that, women stay in these types of relationships for years until something extremely drastic happens to end it, like what you said, someone dies or some outside element comes in with enough force to break apart the abuser's hold on her. Considering this is the Joker, it's doubtful anyone will be able to come in with enough force to save. The only one possible is Batman, and even he hasn't been able to do it yet. And then her second point, this is the Joker in a relationship. He uses things that normal people would consider funny to spread his terror. The rule applies to Harley, too, and being with him has probably brainwashed her further into thinking that the horrible things that happen to her are part of the joke. In Harlequinade, Batman says to her, quote, you think it's funny when he hurts people. She shrugs it off and, she shrugs it off and says, it's just a joke. Who's to say she hasn't applied that line of reasoning to her abuse? That's my two cents. Spend them as you want. Respectfully, Mindy. In this email, she said, she starts talking about how that, you know, one of us found that episode funny. I didn't remember saying it was funny. I thought it was you, James, so I blamed you. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, she, she said, No, Mike, it was you. She sent me a quote. And once I read the quote, and I recognized the cadence of my own voice, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, yeah, I did say that. And <laughs> I want to point out that I never said Mad Love was funny. I said that I found it sad that they played the abuse up for laughs. That's, I mean, that's what they're doing in that episode. That's what they're doing from this point forward with Harley and the Joker. The abuse is being played up as being humorous, and I think that's sad. I mean, if you look at it as an adult, 
yes, we see these things. We see how horrible the Joker treats her. We see how brainwashed Harley is. We see that she's about to move on, and then he sends her some flowers, and, oh, Puddin's alive, and everything's, you know, kosher again. And we see just how sad and true to life that really is. And it stings knowing that there are people out there just like that, minus the clown motif. But when you're a kid, all you're seeing are the gags. So obviously they're putting, you know, they put the gags in there. And you can't deny that there are gags in those episodes. Mad Love is filled with gags. So, you know, when, when you temper the abuse with laughter, it, it, it softens the message that you're trying to get across. So I'm not saying I think Mad Love's funny. I'm saying that I'm disappointed that there's humor in there at all. That's what I was trying to get across. If that message didn't come across when we were speaking about Harley and Ivy, then I apologize for that. I didn't mean to imply at all that I thought Mad Love was funny. Funny moments, I, but as a whole episode, no, it's it's not funny. Oh, no. that's It's a incredibly just depressing episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was I was kind of worried because I thought that maybe I actually had said that Mad Love was funny, and I went back and uh, listened to the to episode eleven, and I was like, oh, oh, good, Mike said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, but then, but uh, you know, realistically, you know, I didn't think that Mike was comparing. Uh, uh, I mean, I think he was trying to make the uh, the analogy, but that you know, like you just said, it, he didn't. I don't think he was ever attempting to say that Mad Love was uh, a comedic episode. Right, yeah. What you got to understand is when James and I are doing these reviews, we have our notes, but almost everything we say is off the cuff. So we might not express what we truly mean as articulately as we mean to. So yeah, so I can understand because of that why things are going to be, you know, misinterpreted. It's just the way it is. And again, that's why I'm glad we have people who, like Mindy, who are willing to write in with these very long emails. I mean, she sent some really long, detailed, analytical emails um, about this subject. She's very passionate about that, and I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate the fact that we have fans that are willing to say, hey, now, wait a minute. Did you mean this, or did you mean that? And how could you mean this if that's what you really meant? I love that. I love that. So as always, guys, write in. Write in and let us know if it's just a line or two, if it's, you know, really long couple of pages worth of emails that you want to send us, do it. Write in and let us know what we got right, what we got wrong, how you agree, how you disagree. Just do it. Let us know. We appreciate that so much because it lets us know that there's people out there that are listening. We know Nick's listening. We know Chris is listening. We know, you know, we got a couple of guys named Mike that are listening, you know, but like Mindy came out of the woodwork because of this. You know, and I, I appreciate that. I love when you have people who are listening to the show and have never written in before, and then all of a sudden they do because of some little thing we said that they disagreed with. Yeah. I, I think. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like, oh, like you said, this is the first podcast you've listened to, so mm-hmm. that you know, that's kind of cool. We can consider that kind of an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First, first show she's listened to, and she's already sending in these awesomely long emails. So, yeah, thank you uh, for that, Mindy. If you want to continue this discussion in public, and this goes for everybody, don't forget that we actually do have forums. Go to earth2.net, that's earth-2.net. On the left-hand side of the page, you're going to see a link that says forums. Click that, join the forums. It's absolutely free, 
And if, if you scroll down a little, you'll see a section that says Earth2.net Podcasts. One of them is a section for World's Finest Podcasts. Click that. You can start threads about Batman the Animated Series, about these episodes. There's, of course, episode threads that already exist, so you could start talking in there. And we can, we can continue this, this discussion back and forth. And this way, it's not just between you, James, me, and Mindy. Then everybody can get involved. You know, we could, we could get... You know, foster discussion. Yeah, I mean, we got Mixie. You know, he's always all over those threads. Oh yeah. You know, he's going to get involved. Um, uh, malpractice is always in those threads. You know, so you know we can get all these people talking about these discussions. So yeah, please join the Earth2.net forums, and you can talk about the world's finest episodes, and then you can you can branch out from there and start talking about other things. You know, comic book, video games, movies, whatever you want to. You know, make sure you guys go ahead and do that. And so then our last one is from Chris. He was the doctor who helped explain uh, what was going on in Moon with the Wolf there. He says, hey, guys, I continue to enjoy the show and was pretty excited to hear my emails on the show. Uh, let's see. I had a couple of comments for Episode 11, mostly possible explanations or at least rationalizations for some of the things you guys discussed. In Harley and Ivy, you discussed, you discussed Ivy's vegetarianism and how it doesn't make sense. It depends on which rationale she uses, because there's three common reasons for vegetarianism. The first is the moral, be nice to animals, no foods with a face reason, and I agree, this wouldn't be a big motivator for Ivy. The second is lower cholesterol, etc. Again, probably not the reason. The third, though, is more ecologically based. If I eat only vegetables, it takes a certain amount of land to support me. If I eat only meat, though, the cows I eat all need a certain amount of land to support them. When you look at the land it takes to grow the plants to feed the cows to feed me, it ends up being something like 10 times the amount of land, or actually the amount of plants eaten, as if I ate the plants myself. So by not eating meat, ivy actually ends up destroying only one-tenth of as many plants. That's kind of a good point he's got there. Yeah, that is very good. And actually, I very much understand the uh, reasons for being a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for four years now, so... That's why it was kind of confusing me what was going on with Ivy. As a vegetarian, I'm looking at her, who's a vegetarian, but I'm like, she shouldn't be a vegetarian. But when he puts it this way with that third point, it makes so much sense. Um, and then he continues, in Batgirl Returns, with the whole thing about knocking out matches rather than killing him, I took that to be that Two-Face wanted to see if he was a cop first, both to find out what the cops knew about him, and also to see if there was a faction that Gil didn't control. That makes sense. And not to mention a test to see if Gil was plotting against him. If Matches was a cop, Two-Face would have to question him to find out what trouble Two-Face was in before disposing of him. That's... That actually makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> and I think you meant uh, Shadow of the Bat. Did he not say that girl? Not Batgirl Returns. Oh, that's right. Batgirl Returns is uh, later on, right? Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. But yeah. Th but, thank you for yeah. correcting that. And then he says, finally, in Blind as a Bat, the one rationale for the Penguin being involved was that the helicopter was called Raven, hence the bird motif. Still, the whole episode seemed like someone remembered the phrase "Blind as a Bat" and just twisted whatever didn't fit into the episode because they liked the title. That I would agree with. Mm. That's exactly what that episode felt like. Yeah, I, I really think that they just called the chopper the Raven because they were going to make it a Penguin episode. I think had it been a Joker episode, it would have been called some generic military name. Hell, they could have called it a Condor or a Falcon or something. I don't know. Right, yeah. I, I, it wouldn't have mattered. I really think they sat down and said, okay, we want a villain to steal a helicopter. Who's it going to be? Well, it doesn't make sense for it to be this character or this character or this character. Well, it flies, 
penguins are birds, so the penguin could steal it, so the helicopter could be called the raven. That's, I have no proof that's the, the, the thought process they used, but that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, um, and it fits the uh, overall laziness of the episode. Yeah, so. pretty much so. And then he finishes up by saying, anyways, there's my thoughts, keep up the great work, and I look forward to the next installment. So thank you, Chris, for sending Thank you, Chris. And thank you to everybody who wrote in. So despite what we said during episode 11 of World's Finest Podcast, we're actually only going to be looking at one episode today. At the end of episode 11, we said we were going to be uh, reviewing uh, The Demon's Quest, His Silicon Soul, Fire from Olympus, Read My Lips, and The Worry Men. But then James and I decided that, you know, The Demon's Quest is so epic that it deserves its own episode. And we know we're going to talk about it at length. So we just said, you know what, we're going to give episode 12, all of it, to the Demon's Quest, and then episode 13 will be those other four episodes that we promised we'd be getting to in this one. But yeah, like I said, we're just going to hold off on those. And believe me, if you've seen Demon's Quest, you'll agree with us. This is really the true... I, would, I guess it would say the true debut of Rachel Ghoul. Yeah. We, we had a uh, cameo of his previously, but you know he only had a couple lines. So here is where he really becomes a forefront villain. Basically what happens is Robin gets abducted from college, and Batman goes all over the city trying to find him. Nothing, he finds nothing. And he comes back to the Batcave, and all of a sudden Rachel Ghoul appears in the Batcave without warning. And Batman, of course, is aghast at this. He says, how did you get in here? And Rachel Gould explains who he is and that he has a similar uh, problem in that Talia, his daughter, has also been kidnapped. And apparently it happened on the same night. So Batman agrees to go with Rachel Gould basically all over Asia trying to find uh, out what happened to Robin and Talia. And eventually they reach uh, the Himalayas, right? Yes. And Batman discovers, you know, Batman, who had pretty much figured this out from the start, finds out that Rachel Gould was behind all of it, and that you know, he needs to rescue Robin and basically escape Asia. And what happens after that is Rach puts his big plan into motion, which is basically to wipe out, what did he say, 2,056,986,000 of the world's population. Yeah, slightly less with, than half, yeah. Yeah, with this huge uh, satellite, Orpheus, which will basically plant bombs, or ignite bombs placed into Lazarus pits all over the world, which will basically soak the Earth in this chemical sludge, and it will return the Earth back to its radiant green self. So I think that's about it. Well, one thing you kind of missed, and it's a crucial mm -hmm. point, is that the reason Raish is doing all of this, that's abducting Robin and faking the abduction of his daughter, and then deciding he's going to destroy the world, is because he wants to test Batman to see if he can be his heir. Right. I mean, this is all one big test to see, basically, if Batman can take over Raish's empire and if he deserves the love of Talia. And when Batman refuses to take over Raish's empire and uh, sire children with Talia, Raish says, okay, well, if you're not with me, then you're against me. And I have to accelerate my plans because he didn't want to resort to this. He wanted a very gradual 
uh, coming of this green earth. But instead, because he is dying, because he says the Lazarus pits only work for so long, no, no man is truly immortal, Mm-hmm. He, because he's dying and he wants to see the realization of his dream, he has to plant these bombs, as you already described. So that was a kind of a, a part you left out there. Yeah, I knew I was going to miss every Every time I have to uh, do the intro for a two-part, I've noticed I always leave out one thing that's <laughs> incredibly large. <laughs> but anyway, yes. uh, we both just love this episode. Absolutely. Um, and I think, with all due respect to Mask of the Phantasm, this should have been the first Batman movie. That Oh my god, that was going to be the first thing I was going to say, too. <laughs> was that they could have easily tacked on another 45 minutes to this, and made it a 90-minute movie, mm-hmm. and released this in the theaters, and it would have had a bigger impact than Mask of the Phantasm did, because Mask of the Phantasm really doesn't play in to the rest of the... After after you saw the movie, it doesn't play into anything, really, right? Not until we get to the very end of Justice League. Right. That's that's. It's been a while since I've seen Mask, so mm-hmm. that's why I wasn't one hundred percent sure. But I was pretty damn sure I was I was right about that. But if they had done this with Rachel Ghoul, then it was very important. The, the, or the movie would have been very important. It was important that we all see it because then they bring the character into the TV show and we get future appearances of him, and we're like, well, wait, where was his first appearance? Oh, it was the movie, so we do have to go see that. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you, people who saw the movie, they have that little extra bonus where they understand where the character's from, coming from, but the people who didn't see the movie would then go have to pick up the VHS or the DVD. Mm-hmm. You see, so it, it works both ways. Warner Brothers could have made so much more money with that movie had they done it the right way, but for whatever reason they chose not to make this the movie. Well, I mean, it's and it's animated like a movie, too. Oh, it's very cinematic. So, I mean, um, and Raish is an epic Batman villain, mm-hmm. so I think he deserved the big screen cinematic treatment. So, yeah, we definitely agree on that point. Um, yeah, and I mean, just getting back to the cinematicness of this, I mean, the music, the score of this episode is just, like, phenomenal. the best it's been. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this is seriously the best it's ever been. And that says a lot, because the music in every episode is just so great. Mm-hmm. Even in the worst episodes, the music is top-notch. You oh, know, yeah. You've got that opening scene when Robin is, you know, coming back to school and he's ascending the building. That is just just the just the mood it sets with the rain and the thunder and the lightning and the colors and the shadows and you couple that with the music which we just spoke about. It's that's the opening of a movie. Yeah, right it's not there. One, it's not a still card like with every other episode except for the laughing fish. Right, yeah, the movie uh, the, uh, the movie <laughs> the show goes for a couple of minutes and then we get the card. And it's not even really a card, it's just, it is more like the Laughing Fish, where it's just text laid over the Batcave entrance. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just held still for a few seconds before the the, 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 the plank comes down or whatever, the drawbridge, drawbridge comes down and Batman drives into his cave, and then it the whole thing starts. And that, again, gives it that cinematic feel, you know, where movies oftentimes, like, have you seen Shoot 'Em Up, James? No, and I'm going to oh, probably this weekend. Go hopefully. see it. Um, I want to very badly. That movie, I'm not spoiling anything, but that movie opens with like a really big badass gun battle, and then mm-hmm. partway through the gun battle, we get the shoot 'em up logo, and then we continue on to the rest of the movie. And that's exactly <laughs> what this did here. Again, feeding into that cinematic vibe. Uh, jumping into the uh, the episode here, the intro, I thought it was really cool how they had Robin 
using the grappling hook, going back up to his dorm room, you know, going about his nightly duties. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was really cool. Because when was you mentioned something about Batman doing that? Oh, it was a uh, it was Shadow of the Bat, wasn't it? Where he did where, what? Where he did use the grappling hook, going up the building, not using the, uh, or did he use the? No, grapple? right? Yeah, yeah. He well, he. You wanted him to use the, oh, uh, just like a. Um, just a rope and a and a hook instead of using the grapple. Right? No, no, that's what he did. He he did. Okay, yeah, I, he, see, I couldn't remember. Right, yeah, he threw the grapple and he climbed up it like the old TV show. Right, and, which is what Robin does in this episode, which is really cool. Right, yeah. Every so often, it's it's important that they do that because you can't always have that the the the, the gunpowder going off. You mm-hmm. can't make that loud bang, and even though it's raining and thundering outside, you still can't risk someone hearing the. Psh- as the grapple goes off, so he just has to climb up stealthily. And right. that, that, that works here, I thought. I mean, had he used the grappling gun, despite the thunder and the lightning, I would have called foul on that. So mm-hmm. it was a nice little touch having him actually have to twirl a rope and climb up that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Robin gets kidnapped, and, uh, you know, it's the next scene we have the, you know, the not really still title card, and then. Batman is just infuriated when Rish comes into the Batcave because that you know no villain has done that before. Yeah. Just oh, Walt's right on <laughs> into the Batcave. <laughs> very very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the look on his face when uh, he gets the telegram uh, that Alfred gives him mm-hmm. and he says, "Save him if you can." Oh, that might be the most furious look we've seen yet. Yeah, I mean he's obviously. I mean he's pissed off. The things. You know, it's addressed to Bruce Wayne, and then there's the little post-it note that says, it says, Batman, find him if you can. So obviously someone knows his identity. And here's mm-hmm. the picture of his son, you know, tied up with a knife to his throat. Several knives. I mean, that is like, that is going to piss off anybody, especially someone who's already got anger issues like Batman does. Yeah. So I appreciate the fact that they, they let his emotions come through there, because with Batman, a lot of times they play him stoic. Mm-hmm. And here was one of those moments where you got to see him as a true human, where you got to see that, yes, he does love Dick Grayson. And anybody who's going to harm him, Batman's going to go after with every resource available to him. So, yeah, yep. I appreciated that they let that come through. And uh, before I say anything else, let's just give a round of applause to David Warner for his fantastic work as Ray Shelby. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Best, just perfect voice for the character. Mm-hmm. Just brilliant all the way around. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know if any other, and and this, considering all the villains sound really good, I don't know if any other villain sounds better. And I, I honestly mean that. I think he sounds better. He plays the role better than even Mark Hamill plays the Joker. And I know that's controversial. We're going to get emails about that. <laughs> but I mean it. I honestly mean that. I mean, there's sometimes where I hear the Joker, and I'm, I'm listening to him, and... I'm thinking about Mark Hamill. Not necessarily mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, but Mark Hamill. But when it's Rachel Ghoul, it's just Rachel Ghoul. And right. that's it. I don't hear the actor coming through at all. I hear the character. And that's why I think he's slightly better than Hamill plays the Joker. He might be a lot like uh, Michael Ironside, who plays Darkseid in the DCAU. Mm-hmm. And Michael Ironside, basically before he does any of his uh, roles, will just be alone and will psych himself into his character so that nothing distracts him. Huh. It's it's you know it's something I used to do when I when I was acting too. I would like try and 
stay by myself and like just become become the character. Mm. And that's probably what David Warner does. So I'm, it's a, it's a really it's a great great theater uh, tactic, I guess, for lack of a better word, for getting into your character and not not letting anything distract you and just be going one hundred and ten percent into the character. So I think that's I think that's probably what he did with uh, Rachel Ghoul because he comes back he does the voice uh, of Rachel in every every episode he appears in doesn't he? It's my knowledge, yes. So yeah, and and yeah. every time he does it, the character's spot on; it never wavers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the second you hear the voice, you're like, oh, it's Rachel Ghoul, all right. Yeah, and I love detective. Just calling mm-hmm. him detective, calling him detective. It's great, mm-hmm. and. Which leads me to my next point is I love seeing the world's greatest detective angle really coming into play here. Yeah, a lot of times in this series we see Batman more as a costumed action star. We don't get to see him as the detective, but here we actually do get to see his detective skills. Right from the get-go. He's like, this this dagger is from India, from, uh, what was it? I can't remember the city. Calcutta. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this dagger, this rope. This look at this fingernail, this thin fingernail uh, line on this the map. map here. Look at this. Look at that. I mean, and what's even cooler in in that regard, while we're speaking of the detective stuff, is upon further viewings, because I know we've both seen this episode countless times. Um, in fact, before we uh, watch this, or before we had to watch this one to discuss it, I just watched it for fun. Yeah, so again, exactly. this, this is one of those episodes where I can just sit down and just watch it from start to finish, the full thing, both two parts. Well, anyways, after you see this episode a couple times, you can pick up on the little things that Batman's noticing along the way that's revealing that Rachel Ghoul is the villain here. Mm-hmm. And right from the get-go, he gets that this is all a plan by Rache. Now, granted, he doesn't know what's going on, but he knows that Rache is the mastermind because what happens is... Um, I'm trying to think. While they're in the Batcave, Raish says something. I know he says the, my daughter was kidnapped on the same night as your ward thing, mm-hmm. which, of course, is um, a, a big clue. Because, like, how would Raish know that they were abducted on the same night? Unless but, he was doing the kidnapping. Right. But I, there's something else he says where Batman says, I get the message, and I forget what it is that is said to him, but the tone in Batman's voice very clearly implies that he already knows what's going on. Isn't that... Doesn't he say that in the plane? Does he say it in the plane? I, I think he says, I get the message in the plane ride. Or the first plane scene, right before Ubu pours in the the drink that he refuses. It might be. It's 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 in that first couple of minutes of the episode mm-hmm. when Batman and Raish have teamed up. It's either in the cave or in the plane. He says, I get the message to something Raish says, and right there you know that Batman knows everything that's going on. Or, he again, he knows that Raish is behind this, but he doesn't know the full plan, so he has to stick with Raish. Play along. Right, has to play along. And he even says that later on. He's like, do you think I would have went in your plane if I didn't know you were going to lead me somewhere? So it, it, you, when you look at that part at the end when he says that, or at the end of the first part when he says that, and then mm-hmm. you take this line from the beginning, you get right there, he knows. And it's really cool to see the smart Batman, not the just punching someone Batman, or not the super emo Batman, just Batman guy using holding his brain. A, holding a guy with one arm over a rooftop. Right, I mean, and that's... By his foot. Right, and those are cool things to see. Don't get us wrong. You know, those are mm-hmm. very cool things to see. But it's nice for a change to see actually to actually see Batman using the skills that he's known for. 
And again, that's the detective skills that he learned throughout his his youth and then his crime fighting career. And one, it's unfortunately again one of those things we just don't see enough of. Mm-hmm. And this and this is something that uh, we really should see a lot of. Not like we should be saturated in in like the the world's greatest detective uh, part of his his uh, character. It's not like uh, like we said in a previous episode about Robin being the comedy relief or Alfred being the comedy relief all the t- you know you can't just have that all the time or it just loses its effect here with the world's greatest detective angle that would never lose its effect because that's a huge 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 part of Batman's mythos yeah. so this is something we should be seeing more often yeah I've, I have very strong feelings about that um, I, I really feel that okay Batman's got two core comics he's got Batman and he's got detective I think Batman should be the action comic the one where he's going out there, punching Joker in the face, stopping Two-Face, okay? Mm-hmm. I think Detective, because of its name, should focus more on his detective skills. It should be almost like a Sherlock Holmes mystery set in Gotham City starring Batman as Sherlock Holmes and Alfred as Watson. Right. That's the way I feel Detective should Or even be. Robin. Or Robin, just someone who is standing, who's there, you know, chronicling it you know, the adventures, and just serving as that, the sidekick, the person that uh, Holmes, or in this case Batman, can explain things to, and therefore is a stand-in for the readers. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't come off, you know, as like too much like exposition then, if, if it's written well, I should say it won't come off too much like exposition. But I, I really feel it should be, those books should be separated like that. So this way, if I want to read a detective story, I can pick up detective. But if I just want to read a, an action story starring Batman, I can pick up Batman. And I really wish DC would play that up more in their comic books. And I really wish it would have been played up more here in the cartoon. Not every episode in the cartoon, because again, it's a cartoon. Initially, this was meant for kids, so there had to be more action than uh, you know, you know, clue hunting. But as the show matured. I would have liked to have seen them incorporate more of the detective skills into the character and into the show. They can't all be the Demon's Quest. They can't all be Heart of Ice. But this show evolves so much from the first season to the second season that, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we you know we can stand to have some more of the detective, uh, the detective half of Batman. So uh, you know, it's a little bit disappointing that we didn't get to see it, but you know. When you get, when you get like the Demon's Quest, it's a, it's just a perfect mix of both sides. You get a lot of action and you get the a lot of the detective. It's uh this, this might be the best all around Batman episode, uh maybe in the entire series. So, but we'll see what we'll see when we get to our grading. <laughs> yeah, because when you when you add. You know, you know the hunting, the searching for clues to action. You get an adventure story, mm-hmm. and that's what this episode is. It's really an adventure story, and it's cool to see Batman in stories like that from time to time. It makes it it makes them really special, you know, because mm-hmm. normally he is just you know he's Jack Bauer, James Bond, whatever action character you want to come up with in a you know you know in a cloak and cowl. That's what Batman is, but every now and then you you want to throw these clues in there that Batman has to hunt and solve and all this and that. Then he becomes Indiana Jones, and it's a drastic shift. And yeah. I think it, I think 
the character can exist in both the action and the adventure worlds. Yeah, especially with a villain like Rachel Gould, because yeah. he he can uh, he can test Batman's mind and his physical prowess. Yeah, he can challenge Batman in every regard. You know, mm-hmm. if Rache wants to challenge him financially somehow, like if if they wanted to craft a story where Rache tries to take over Wayne Enterprises, he could do that. If they wanted to do it where Rache just wanted to uh, test Batman's strength, Rache could challenge him that way. If they want to test, if he wants to test Batman's brain, he can do that. I mean, in every single regard, Rachel Ghoul is Batman's equal, if not better. So you you can tell completely different stories with him, and it is good that whenever we see him, they do do that. Yeah, especially because Rache has uh, about five centuries worth of experience <laughs> more than Batman does. Yep. So, um, I thought it was kind of uh, weird when they're going through the uh, Malaysian jungle in the jeep. When uh, Bat- you know Batman and Ubu and Ray are all sitting in the jeep, you know, Batman says Bruce Wayne donates millions of dollars. Yeah, it's another instance that- of the third person. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of weird for him to break it out there, though. Don't you think? It is because Ray already knows. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no reason to do the third-person act. He could easily say, I donate millions of dollars every year, blah, 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 blah. The, 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 to, to, to use the third person there did seem a bit odd. but It, it you know, didn't really make much sense. Well, it, it, gives you a, it gives you a little insight into the character's mindset that, you know, when it, when you really, when it, what it really comes down to is that he is Batman. We've said it before, we'll say it again. Bruce Wayne's the mask. Mm-hmm. So I think he's it, it, it just it just shows you that even he realizes that. And I sometimes I wonder if he can even separate the two. And I think that was like a weird little moment where it was showing that he couldn't necessarily separate the two. Yeah. It maybe it was just a slip of tongue. It could be. Um something I wanted to mention that came before that, it was when they were actually on the airplane. I believe it was mm-hmm. when they were on the airplane. Um, Raish says, um, uh, Batman says something like, how'd you find out who I was? And Raish says, well, you know, someone of my wealth and power could easily deduce that whoever was amassing the tools Batman needs had to be rich and therefore is Bruce Wayne. But then he also says that you matched my daughter's description. So that calls back to the previous episode where we met Talia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was off balance, right? Right. And so that goes to show that Talia, for whatever weird reason, didn't recognize Bruce Wayne when she pulled off Batman's mask. It is very strange. That's, it's a little... I don't know. It doesn't quite jive with me. You know? it's Right. He's, ba- he's Bruce Wayne. I mean, you're gonna know who Bruce... I mean, imagine all of a sudden it turns out, you know, Bill Gates is Batman. His And he, he you know... Everybody knows what Bill Gates looks like. Mm-hmm. Talia is going to pull off that mask and go, "Hey, you're Bill Gates, not <laughs> you're some handsome guy with a square jaw and black hair." You know, it's it's that that's a little that was a little weird to me. I mean, nothing really worth worth complaining about, but worth noting nonetheless. Wasn't it? Didn't you, did you get a chuckle when uh, Batman smirked after Raish mentioned uh, Talia mentioning him? What did you? I don't know if did I noticed you, are, in the it was in the it was in the plane. Uh, I can't remember the lines. I'll never remember what exactly what Raish said, but Raish was mentioning Talia about the description. You know, he uh, he matched your description, 
Uh, and Batman just smirks. I, I, that, I thought that was kind of funny. Kind of cool, actually. I don't think I noticed that. Huh. He was like, hmm. That was like the pimp, that was like the pimp Batman coming out just a little bit. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool and, and pretty funny on the say at the same time. Yeah. Now um, I have a question before we go any further. Is this mm-hmm. and I, I is this I, I could be wrong on this, but is this the first time Batman's left America in the show, or mm-hmm. have we seen it before? Because remember last time we said he fought robots. We of course forgot about Captain Clown. Mm-hmm. Remember in the Hard Act episode, we were like, "Hey, this is the first time he fought robots." And then someone writes in and said, "I think it was at the forums." Was like, "Um, yep. Captain Clown." And we were both like, "Oh, how can you forget yeah. Captain Clown?" But, Major brain fart. Yeah, but I don't recall that. No, okay, what the fuck am I saying? There was an episode in Japan. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, at least I caught it. At least I caught yeah. it, and it didn't have to come in an email. <laughs> yeah. But this is the first time we've really seen him globe trot because we just saw him go to Japan. That mm-hmm. was it. But here, he's all over the place. You know, he's in Africa. He's in Asia. He's in uh, in the Indian subcontinent. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, all over the I place. Mean, this episode is really where in the world is Carmen San Diego starring Batman? Mm-hmm. That's that's what this episode is. Um, I, you know, if you guys are too young to remember those video games or the TV shows and the cartoons, I love those games so much. Yeah, I, I love. I used to play them all the time. I loved the old uh, TV show on PBS, the game show. Yes, that was. Awesome. I actually tried out to be on that oh, show one you? time. I yeah, mean, but I didn't didn't quite make yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> like anytime Jen and I are watching TV and like like let's say we're watching Law and Order and someone mentions a warrant, Jen will look at me and go, "The warrant." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's oh, so yeah. funny. I mean, Rockapella. Yeah, oh, I love those guys. <laughs> But, I mean, that's really what this felt like. It just felt like where in the world is Rachel Ghoul? Yep. You know, they, they were searching for Robin and whoever was behind this grand scheme. And, well, it turns out he was right next to you the whole time, Batman. <laughs> and he knew it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <sighs> I mean, where, where do we go from there? I mean, there's, like, so much to say about this episode. It's almost overwhelming. It's almost daunting to, to try yeah, to talk it, about it. It really is. But, um, I guess... Next thing I'll say in the first episode is, you know, after we've gotten all of the te- the detective the detectiving and uh, jaunting all over the place, Batman just goes insane and beats a group of about eight or nine assassins to a pulp. Oh yeah! And well, and the greatest part of it is Robin just sitting there, like looking back and forth, like uh. Yeah, that look on Robin's face tells you so much because here's Batman beating up all these assassins. He's frustrated. He's pissed off. He knows everything that's going on at this point, and he's not having this shit anymore. So he's not going to pull a single punch. So he just takes these guys out as hard and as fast as he can, and Robin has seen Batman take out groups of guys before, unassisted. But the the level of violence that Batman must have been using in that scene had to be so shocking that it made Robin just kind of sit there with his mouth open going, whoa. I mean, because he, he sees this all the time. So if mm-hmm. he's shocked, yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's above and beyond anything even he's seen. So, and I appreciated the fact that they focused on him for a good five, six, seven seconds and left right. a lot of it, the, a lot of the battle just uh, progressed through sound and all off panel. And shadows. Right, yeah. with Robin just looking back and forth like a tennis match. That was, that was a really cool decision on their part, I thought. I mean, some people, like especially you know, younger people like kids, might see the episode and go, oh, I want to see the fight. 
but you know, story-wise, in terms of storytelling, that's a much better way to have done it. Yeah, and this well, this episode wasn't really made for kids. No, no. It, yeah, so we can we can excuse that. Mm-hmm. Um, I there was something I wanted. Uh, I was trying to remember uh, before before that happens uh, when they're still in Malaysia in the where Batman is fighting the Puma mm-hmm. or whatever it is, whatever it is in there. I loved at the end of that where after he's done all the this, look at this fingernail tracing all that he goes after you that because at that point you know that he know, he knows what's going on right that's one of those things where upon second and third viewings you know subsequent viewings you get what Batman's doing at your first viewing if you've never seen this two parter before you might think to yourself oh Batman's being a smart ass I mean because you could really take it that way. Mm-hmm. But once you've seen it again and again and again, you get what Batman's doing there. He's playing a mind game. He's testing to see what'll happen. You know, he all of a sudden realizes that he entered that building first. For the first time, he was allowed to go ahead of Raish. And now he's testing that again. He's, he's you know, basically saying, ha, 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 I'm on to you. So you first. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that we got into Batman's head like that, because normally we don't get that. Again, it is just Batman dangling people over rooftops or punching them or kicking them or whatever he does. But here we see him playing mind games. And, of course, that's Which, another thing Batman's known for is, get, you know, mind games. Right. Yeah. Um, because even after that, after he does it and both Raish and Ubu walk by him, Batman goes, hmm, like his theory has been confirmed. Light bulb. Yeah, <laughs> the, the big light bulb has gone off over his head like, okay. I was right about that. Now, it's, that's a really cool thing. I mean, this episode, you really do have to watch it a couple of times to get everything that's going on, to pick up on the clues, because there are a ton of clues, literally right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right from the beginning. There, I mean, the first time we see Raish, we don't know it's Raish, but when he darts Robin and knocks him out, well, Raish is wearing that mask. Well, it's a demon's head. But if you don't catch that, you're not going to catch the clue that comes two minutes later when Raish comes into the Batcave and he says, I'm Rachel Ghoul. And Batman says, oh, the demon's head. I thought you were just a myth. Right. So right. if like, if you watch this again, and then you actually, you know, you, you see the mask, which looks like a demon, and then you see, you, you hear Batman saying this, you can put two and two together right away, and you see something you missed from the get-go, the first time you saw it. Exactly. And I, and these... I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, I appreciate any form of entertainment, be it cartoons, movies, video games, comic books, books, anything at all that is layered like that, that you do have to watch something a couple of times to pick up on every single clue. That's why it, um, I get mad at any movie that flashes back to something we saw earlier in the film, mm-hmm. because it's like... Okay, one, I'm smart enough to have caught it. But two, let's just say I didn't catch it the first time around. Well, that's going to make me want to see the movie a second time. But now if you flash back to all those things that I should have caught the first time, there's no incentive for me to see the movie again. Yeah, I mean, it's okay if they say it. Mm-hmm. Like like Batman goes through it. He goes through everything that they did that, that tipped him off. Right. But that's fine. He just tells them. They don't go. They don't flash back to, to them as he's saying, oh, well, you did this. And then, it go, then they show the scene. And then you did this. And then they show another thing. That It's fine if you tell it, but don't show it. Right. Be- I'm sorry. 
Yep. And that's a reason. That's the reason I love the uh, the anime case close so much because they don't do a lot of flashback. Mm-hmm. You know, they they it's a really intelligent show and it makes you think. And if you go back and you pay attention, then you can catch on it. Catch on to everything. Right. Yeah. If if Batman just says as he does in this one, this is everything you did. Well, now when you watch it the second time, you can almost like check. You know, you can check them off in your brain. Oh, that really did happen. Check. Oh, he really did say that. Check. Oh, he really did react that way. Check. So when Batman says all those things later on, uh, again, you're watching this the second time, you're like, wow, all those things really were there, and I just happened to not pick up on them the first time. And it, mm-hmm. it just shows you how awesome the writing was. So. Yeah, because the writers in the DCAU are so good at pulling the red herrings all over the place. They, they, they show you this... They show you that. They make you think, oh, well, this guy has to do it. No, well, then maybe that guy had to do it. But then it's somebody that you really should have suspected from the beginning that really didn't seem like he was even going to be a major part of the, of the episode. Kind of like uh, Return of the Joker. Mm. So, But we'll get to that way later on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talia, when she comes into the episode, you know, Batman's like, do <gasps> <laughs> you think he got a heart on there? Yeah, basically what I wrote <laughs> in my notes is Talia equals to sex. Like an internet <laughs> I literally yes, wrote, T-E-H. Yeah, I literally wrote Talia <laughs> equals T-E-H sex tilde exclamation point. I mean, <laughs> that is like the, you know, the outfit she's wearing with the top that has the little hint of cleavage. And when she turns around, her, her, it dips, her skirt dips down so you can almost kind of start to see the crack of her behind. I mean, that, that whole outfit and just the way she carries herself and her voice, it's just pure sex. It's just dripping. And even Batman can't, can barely resist her. I mean, when, think about it, the second time that Raish offers, I think it's the second time, when, when Raish makes his offer, Batman stares at Talia real long and hard before refusing. And then he finally says no. Yeah, the answer is still yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, it shows you right there that he's looking at her and he's imagining a future with her as leader of this global empire. Now, at that point, he doesn't know what the plan is. He doesn't know it's this sinister ploy, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's seriously thinking about it, and he he just has to say no for whatever, you know, Batman reasons. You know, Batman's always got his own reasons. You could have, like, a... I don't know, you just have to call them Batman reasons, because sometimes they don't make sense to us mortal men, but they make sense to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of leads me into my one... Pretty much my only one real gripe with the entire episode is Robin. He was really just a plot device here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's kind of weird when you have Batman and Talia there. What's, what has Dick Grayson got to be thinking here? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like he doesn't say hardly anything. And then Batman's like, uh, ready to go? <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, sure. Yeah, he's like, things are just <laughs> starting to get interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of a, I was actually kind of annoyed with the way Robin was just kind of, you know, thrown in there because he really was. He was just a plot device in this episode. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there was no way around it. How yeah, else that... do you get Batman to go on this quest without mm-hmm. using Robin that way? The only other way is to have kidnapped Catwoman, Alfred, or someone else who was close to Batman. You can't make it Catwoman. Because this episode's about Batman and Talia. Right. So, do you make it Alfred? Well... And then you're still stuck in the same boat as Robin. Right, and Robin can provide a little more support in terms of fighting, if need be, than Alfred would be able to. 
So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it has to be Robin. Though I agree with you 100%. It's not cool seeing Robin that way. It just has to be that way. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, but, you know, it's just you, nothing is perfect. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. There was there was one there was one thing in the right before the first episode ends when Raish is really just really really sick and just about to basically have his heart just finally stop forever. Um, Batman goes over and uh, feels for a pulse with his gloves right. still on again, uh-huh. and he says uh, his pulse is is whatever he erratic, says dead think, or yeah. erratic. Yeah, you know he can't fake that. But I you know it's kind of funny about. Uh, 10, 12 years later in Justice League Unlimited, Green Arrow does it. He fakes his, he fakes his pulse and uh, I believe it's not double date. That's, uh, I don't remember. It's, it's one of the JLU episodes with uh, Black Canary and, uh, and Green Arrow. He, he, he takes a pill and he, he fakes, and he basically, it stops his metabolism and his, his pulse stops, but he's still very much alive. So, yeah. I thought that was, kind, it was kind of funny. Yeah, I, I knew that this, that there was an episode either in, in Batman the Animated Series or Gotham Knights or Superman or Justice League or something that we were that we will eventually cover where this did happen, where someone did make their pulse either erratic or make it slow down to the point where it's almost stopped um, as, a, as a plot device or whatever. So it was mm-hmm. sort of weird to hear Batman say that, um, especially but Batman I guess they... who would know that you can, with proper breathing and medicine, slow down... And change your 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 pulse like that, and you'd think you know we all at this point we don't I don't think we quite know how old Raish is, but we know that he's old. There's been little clues where he mentions being around Napoleon. Um, he says I'm older than maybe you could possibly ever imagine. Right, exactly. So we know he's really old. So he's gonna pick up little mystical tricks mi- mystical tricks along the way. So for Batman to have said that was kind of weird. Yeah, especially Rachel Gould, of all of all villains. Mm-hmm. It's very strange to hear him just write it off as, oh, he must be dying, even though he was, but regardless. <laughs> and now, is it just me, or does the ending of this episode, this first part of this episode, I should say, seem very incestuous? There's just, I don't know, It's there's something very weird about, you've got crazy Rachel ghouls, you know, laughing and cackling, after he's come out of the Lazarus pit, and you've got Talia in her, like, just oozing sex outfit, and she she goes up to him, and the way he embraces her, and the look on his face is just very creepy, not in a Rachel Ghoul has gone mad sort of way, but in a very, this feels dirty and wrong, the way he's holding her kind of way. I, I, I absolutely see where you're coming from, but... Uh... Like I said, I was you know I was willing to overlook it just because you know they do explain that the Lazarus pits cause you to go temporarily insane, and Rish at that point was probably just seeing like oh there's somebody in front of me I'm just going to you know bear hug them and pick them up over my head and toss them wherever I feel right, like. Right? No, 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 I absolutely get that, and I'm not implying that they were going for that. You know, right. again, we go back to the first Clayface episode. I think they were trying to get something across with Hagen and his assistant. Uh, we go back to nothing to. Uh, no, not nothing. Uh, the one with the Invisible Man. What was that one called? Oh, well, that was... Um, uh, Sino Sino yeah. Again, they were very clearly trying to imply that something was going on with that father and the little girl. 
Yeah, he was a child. Right, they were, they were getting that across. And this one, I'm not saying they were doing that at all. I am fully admitting that I'm reading into it, but I've been doing that since the first time I saw this episode, when I was still, mm-hmm. you know, a kid or in high school or however old I was when this first aired. What would this have been, about 93-ish? So, yeah, I would have been in yeah. my first year of high school, around about maybe my second, depending on when in 93 this aired, that I saw this. And even back then, I always thought it was a very creepy moment. Um, but again, yeah, I yeah, never thought. I absolutely see where it comes Yeah, from. but I never thought the producers were trying to get at that. It's just, I just think it's there unintentionally. Um, though that does beg the question, you know, if you look at like the British Empire, it's it's very much, you know, incestuous. Hell, almost any empire is. You know, the, people are marrying mm-hmm. their cousins. They're they're wedding. You know, they're having kids with their sisters and whatnot, just to keep it all in the family to make sure. You know, you're not bringing a commoner into the bloodline. You know, it's, I, I, I would like to see DC have the balls to reveal that Raish and Talia do have a spawn somewhere together. Like Raish just eventually, maybe before he met Batman and he knew this great detective was out there, mm-hmm. he thought maybe the only way to get an heir to his empire would be to mate with his own daughter and i'd like to see dc actually tackle that i know i know not likely not likely but i i think that would be something really ballsy yeah, and, and it makes very sense. interesting it makes absolute yeah. sense in terms of the character in terms of history i mean I, I don't know if it's ever been said how old is is it has it ever been said how old talia is now i'm not talking about the cartoon i'm talking about in the comics do you know uh, not off the top of my okay. head. I've never seen a specific age given for Because if she is older, if she has used the Lazarus pits, and let's say they were both around, you know, Rage has obviously been around for a couple hundred years. Let's say Talia was born in the 1800s. It wouldn't be that weird for him to have tried to sire a child with her. It would have been commonplace to have done yeah. it, to, to carry on that bloodline. I mean, now it wouldn't work, but if they told a flashback story where they do have some child together that's out there, the heir of Rachel Ghoul, that would make some for some really interesting and historically accurate storytelling, I think. And I th- It would also add God knows how many layers of character to both Rache and Tom. Right, yeah, it would change both of them drastically. You know, so... You know, I just I just had to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that, but I do. I, that's a very very interesting proposition there. So on to the second episode then. Is that cool or? Yeah, sure. Okay, I think the animation is still good, but in the first act, it's just not as crisp as the way it's as the way the third act of the first episode ended. There's mm-hmm. there's little things like Talia's face. And Raisha's body, which, again, they're good, and, but they don't live up to the standards set by that whole first episode. And her boobs. <laughs> Sorry. They, they change about 60 different times. Well, but you know, that's just me noticing stuff well, like that. Well, her cleavage so. disappears from scene to scene. Sometimes it's yeah. there. Like the little, the little crest, or not crest, but the little cut in her dress is there. But from time to time, the cleavage is there, and then sometimes it's not. So... That's a little annoying because, you know, I'd like to see more cleavage, animated or not. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the animation picks up in the second and third acts of the second episode. But in that first act, especially when this episode begins, it's just not as solid. It's, it's just inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely, I definitely agree there. And now my 
biggest gripe with this episode, or this, this this whole two-parter, is, okay, why does Batman refuse? Because he, he seen okay, I could see him refusing after he knew the whole plan to destroy half the population, but he refuses before he knows what Raish's plan is. Again, there were hints. When they were in the Jeep, Raish says that, you know, he wants to bring about this green earth. He has said that. But he's given no indication that he's going to do it ultra-violently. So it may be a very... I mean, he kind of says you may need force, but he never says he's going to wipe out half the population in one fell swoop. So why does Batman refuse this offer? Here's my attempt to ex- uh, explain this. I think, given the fact that Raish kidnapped Robin... Broke broke into the Batcave and has basically trotted him all over the world, and he's just he is just on, on the brink of psychotic psychotic levels of pissed off right here. He he probably just had it with Raish and didn't want any part of anything to do with him. That's a good point, but who is Batman to judge when he took a circus kid and raised him into a psychotic lifestyle? I'm just saying. Batman ain't mm-hmm. exactly the sanest uh, one in the bunch, no. you know. So um, I, I'm I'm joking with 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 that right there. But no, I, I see where you're coming from. But you know, I mean, when you when you really examine what Raish is offering Batman, I just can't understand really why he refuses. I mean, okay, here's what he's offering Batman. For one, he's offering him Talia, a very beautiful a tr- woman who loves him, absolutely adores Batman. Is, is what Talia does. And she accepts them both as Batman as Bruce, and Bruce Wayne. It's not like mm-hmm. Selina, who only loves Batman, and really is, just wants to be friends with Bruce Wayne. Talia wants to be with him no matter who he is. She, He is her beloved. So he has that. He could have a woman. He could have a family of his own. Raish is also offering Batman the shot at... Not eternal life, but a longer life, thanks to the Lazarus Pits. Very appealing to almost everybody. Then he's also offering Batman a vast, rich global empire that is going to affect change upon the Earth. Now again, Batman doesn't know that Raish's backup plan, his plan B, is to be ultra-violent about it and just kill like half the world in doing it. So at this point, Batman thinks that these changes, or he should be thinking that these changes are going to be gradual. And Batman wants to help the planet. I mean, right now he just helps one city, but ultimately he wants to help everybody. And if he can do that by joining forces with Raish, who at this point he doesn't necessarily know is super evil, why wouldn't he do that? And I don't know, I just think it would have been so much cooler and done so much more for the character and all the characters if Batman did accept, like, like right away in this in this uh, second part here, when Raish offers again, or would you reconsider? Mm-hmm. If Batman says, yeah, I will, and then he sees what Raish's plan is and then backs away at the end. That would have been, been done so much more for the relationship between all the characters and shown so much... Uh, uh, in in the way of mindset when it comes to Batman slash Bruce Wayne, I don't know. Yeah, well, and it could have given Raish at the if he had done if he had taken that route, uh, Raish could have been like, I offered you this and this, and and you betrayed me, and then that could have set off the 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 final battle at the end with the sword fight and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. 
Again, um, I, I think it's a solid episode. I think they did well with it, but it just really boils down to the fact that I don't know why Batman refuses. Okay, yeah, he is pissed off at Rache. I get that. But really, there's nothing... There's no reason to refuse this. He's he's acting as if he knows what the end goal is, and he, he doesn't know that at this point. Well, how many times have have we seen in the comics and in future DCAU episodes where Batman says... My city needs me, or I have I have work to do. Now I'm not making I'm not using that as an excuse. What all I'm saying is it's consistent with his character uh, down the road and in the comic books. In that he really on, really he uh, his main priority is Gotham. And like I said, I'm not making I'm not using that as an excuse at all because that really doesn't make any sense to me either. No, but but it's consistent. You're right. You're absolutely right. But he could try to. Okay, uh, he knows that what he's doing, he knows he's doing a good job. He knows he's helping people out. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that in the episode where he goes all emo, he realizes by the end that, yes, I am helping people. But he realizes, too, that for every person he helps, there's a thousand more that he can't help. But with an empire like this, like Raish's, Batman could train a thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Batmen to patrol the globe, to help save everybody that needs saving. He could have created a global superhero or Batman army with this kind of empire, with what Raish was offering him. And they would have brought about peace and potentially brought about this green earth that Raish wants without going to extreme measures. It's just, well, I, 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 that's, that's a really, that, that kind of does irk me a little, just in this episode. It's like he should not have refused at that point. But again, I think they were working in the confines of a two-part episode and not a 90-minute mm-hmm. movie. I think had this been a 90-minute movie, we would have seen that. So maybe yeah. because this is just a two-part, 45-ish minute uh, cartoon, I should uh, just accept it and forgive it. And But it, it's kind of hard to, but I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. Talking it through, I am going to forgive it that because they were confined to only so much time. Well, maybe there's there's always the problem of the people he's training. Uh, a lot of these people he'd be training are already members of, I guess, are they the League of Shadows? I know they don't use that. That's who they are. I mean, but if under Batman's guidance, See, they would have, you have to assume that Batman wouldn't accept them into the fold if they were doing anything shady, and you know he's going to keep a tight grip on that. Well, I mean, one, one person can only keep an eye on so much all over a planet. So. Well, and, and you know some of these people are going to are, are assassins, and they're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to save this thug from, from like, a beam falling on him <laughs> or something, you know, like, like Batman always ends up doing. That's I, I see. That's that's one logistical problem I see there. That's that's that is true. I mean, if this if this episode had happened years down the line when the Justice League was around, you mm-hmm. know, Batman could have other justice uh, Justice Leaguers helping him out, keeping an eye on these people. But you're right. At this point, it's just Batman and Robin. So I see where you're coming from. Even two people can't keep an and eye on a... tens of thousands of foot soldiers. Right, and as a little mini rant here, um, Rachel Gould not appearing in Justice League is such a travesty. I can't even begin to describe it. But that, but that's just all I'm going to say about that. Maybe we've mentioned it in the past on, on this show. Maybe I've said it on Earth Today, not the show. Maybe I've said it online. I don't know, but I've said it somewhere. Normally, I hate 
villains that have self-destructing lairs, and Rage has one. In yeah. fact, the button is so easy to just lean against and press, it's laughably silly. It's just yeah. jutting out of the wall. But I'm willing to accept it in this episode because I feel that Raish used it only to test Batman again. Mm-hmm. Well, and he says that he has layers all over the planet, which he right. does. Because so, he has that vast global network. Right, so him destroying this one, I don't mind it as much as I normally would because he knew Batman wasn't going to die. He knew that this was... He, he, he saw this as one more test to test mm-hmm. the detective. To, again, see if he was worthy. Because I think deep down, Raish really does want Batman to change his mind. He doesn't want to go about it this way. He's just doing it because he has to. Or he feels he well, has he, to. He, yeah, and he offers one more time, right... You know, close to the, close to the end of the second episode, he he more or less offers him one more chance to accept his offer. But then Batman calls him, tells him he's out of his mind. So that was the end of that. Yeah. yeah so that's again normally would be a gripe, but I I see it as a positive in this episode because it it does make it sense. absolutely makes sense. One thing that didn't make sense though, uh, uh, Batman was kind of reckless with that grenade there, wasn't he? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, it, I don't even know what to say. Hey, Bat, for those of you who haven't seen the episode, basically what happens is this. Batman has is has snuck into Raish's lair in the Sahara Desert where he hopes to stop the controls for this Orf, the Orpheus satellite that I mentioned about uh, a day ago. <laughs> um, and basically this Orpheus satellite is going to ignite all those bombs that they've placed in the Lazarus pits all over the planet. So he snuck into this into the lair, and he's captured you know, uh, by by the you know dozens of assassins there, and Raish has him imprisoned, but he you know, he escapes and he starts sneaking around and he beats up this one assassin, takes his grenade belt off and pulls a pin and throws it into this powder keg, literally a powder keg with nothing, you know, dynamite, rockets, all kinds of you know uh, gunpowder stuff. It's the <laughs> Yeah, it's the armor, exactly. He just throws a grenade into the armory and runs away as the whole place just b- goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, rockets so, start shooting at Raish's men. The camels start running away. Everything's exploding. It's anarchy. It's straight-up mm-hmm. anarchy. And for Batman to have done that was, to use your words, or your word, I should say, reckless. Beyond reckless. It goes against everything Batman is supposed to be about. The whole saving lives thing. And what does he do? You know, he's shooting missiles at people, for God's sakes. It's yeah. it's kind of like how I don't agree that the Batmobile and the, the, the Batwing have... I, I don't agree that they have guns and missiles on them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you know, they're, they're convenient to have around. But still, Batman having guns and missiles on his car and plane? Uh, I don't know about that. Same thing here. It's yeah. It was a little. Uh, yeah, he could have caused. He could have <laughs> thrown the grenade and just had it explode in the sky, and everybody would have been like, everybody, everybody would have been like, what was that? And he could have caused anarchy in a completely different, less reckless way. Exactly. So that's that's an. I guess that's my other gripe about the about this episode is just how reckless he is and how unBatman like yeah. it is. But overall, I don't think it hurts the episode. Not that much. No. I mean, 
No, no. Really. When you watch it, you do have to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, what? But it's it's what? not like it brings it down by like you know like like five points or anything like that. You know, it's just <laughs> nah. it does have to bring it down a little. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we'll see how much when we do get to our scores. But overall, I don't think it ruins the episode. There, oh, there's no. not by any stretch. No, I mean, there's there's a small there's a few small quibbles in this episode, the whole thing, more specifically the second part, but nothing, again, that, that ruins it. It just takes away, you know, it just kind of s- takes away from it just a little. But then mm-hmm. there's things that make up for it. Like, again, w- we started this by saying how cinematic this two-parter is. The way it ends with the kiss as the sun's rising over the Sahara and the, just that couple embracing and, you know, that's just... And the plane flies off into the yeah, sunset. Yeah, I mean, if they would have ended right there and we didn't get the cliffhanger, to that you know, Raish coming back, that would have been a very suitable ending to this, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. it started cinematically and it ends cinematically. I understand why they did what they did, but they very much could have ended it right there. And it would have been a very beautiful ending because it shows you that Batman realizes everything he gave up. That he knows he mm-hmm. could have had Talia... And, you know, whatever else that came with her and Raish's empire, but he just can't do it. And it, it just, it's, it's, it's such a very awesome, powerful moment, I think. Yeah, you can tell it's tearing him apart inside. Yeah. Yeah. But, now, speaking of kisses, earlier they share another kiss. They, Batman is stripped of his belt, of his shirt, mm-hmm. of his cape. He's allowed his mask because it's a, it's a mock of Anna. Um... Sorry, I know I'm way off on the accent. I just had to try. Now, before they put him in the jail, Talia kisses him. Does she pass him the lockpick? Or did Batman just happen to have know. a lockpick hidden in his cheek? I don't know. I don't remember any kind of movement that would suggest that she gave him something. But, uh, you know, if I go, maybe I should go back and watch and see if he does. Or she does, The rather. reason I think she does, and I have always thought that she does, is because she says, to remember me by. Oh, yeah. So she's not only giving him a kiss to remember her by, but she's giving him something a little extra to remember her by. I really think that she passed him that lockpick. That, you know, now that you're saying that, that that makes perfect sense. It it also fits into her, because at this point, Raish's final plan has been revealed. His, Mm -hmm. his, the, the insanity is out there, and she does not agree with this. At all, she agrees with what with his uh, with his uh, the, the ends. ends, but not the means. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. so I think she wanted Batman to get free to stop it. She knew she couldn't, or she at least thought she couldn't, and she does try. So she obviously couldn't, but so but she knew Batman could. So I really think she passed it to him. It, it just all comes yeah. together. I, yeah, I didn't I didn't know this. I didn't even think about that at all. But you're you've, you're probably right. That's probably what happened. That's a really good catch there. James, what are you going to give this one? I am so torn on this one. It, my heart, I really want to give it a 10, mm-hmm. but there were, there, was, there was just several little things, little things that kind of added up, so I'm going to give it a 9.5. I'm going to give it a 9 because I, I'm with you. It's, it's very near perfect, mm-hmm. and, but there are some small mistakes. There are very minor things. Remember, I spoke about the animation in the second episode, at least in the beginning of the episode, not being as crisp 
mm-hmm. and, and solid as it was in that whole first episode. And then the remainder of the second episode, too. That And, you know, if I'm noticing something like that, it's kind of pulling me out of the episode. So, yeah, a nine on that one. But still. Fantastic episode. Absolutely fantastic. And just like you, I want to give it a ten. Maybe down the line, if we, you know, when we reevaluate some of these scores, I might bump that up to a ten. Ready to go? Well, if you say so, though it was just starting to get interesting. The master gave you no permission to leave. I didn't ask for any. And that's three. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss four more episodes from Batman the Animated Series, those being His Silicon Soul, Fire from Olympus, Read My Lips, and The Worry Men. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. Podcast.